the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, September the 21st, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, on September 21, 1989, Hurricane Hugo crashed into Charleston, South Carolina. The storm was blamed for 56 deaths in the Caribbean and 29 in the United States. Today, in 1792, the French National Convention voted to abolish the monarchy. Today, in 1912, magician Harry Houdini, remember him? He first publicly performed, no, I don't remember him at that time. He first publicly performed his water torture cell trick. He did it at a uh, circus in Berlin. Today, in 1948, Milton Berle made his debut as permanent host of the Texaco Star Theater, NBC TV. Today, in 1961, the first Boeing CH-47 Chinook military helicopter made its first hovering flight. Today, in 1981, the Senate unanimously confirmed the nomination of Sandra Day O'Connor to become the first female justice on the Supreme Court. And today, in 1996, President Bill Clinton signed the Defense of Marriage Act that denied federal recognition of same-sex marriages. Same-sex marriages are not marriages. They may be couplings or partnerships. They're not marriages. God created marriage, and a marriage is only between one man and one woman. It doesn't matter what the government says about it. We can say all that we want. It isn't marriage. It may be a lot of things. It isn't marriage. Anyway, he did so a day after saying that the law should not be used as an excuse for discrimination, violence, or intimidation against gays and lesbians. That was never formally repealed, as some of you will remember, but DOMA was effectively overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court decisions, both in 2013 and again in 2015. They really gutted the Defense of Marriage Act. One year ago today, President Donald Trump met at the White House with Amy Coney Barrett. She is a constitutionalist lawyer. Now she sits on the Supreme Court. She emerged after that meeting as one of the president's favorites, and she became one of the justices. She is seated in the vacated seat of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. As you may remember, we talked a lot about that on this program in the run-up to that and, of course, the the hearing, which has turned into a bloodbath now if it's a, a conservative or constitutionalist justice. They only want, the left only wants activists on the Supreme Court for all the obvious reasons. Psalm 103, verse 1 through 5 says, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfy thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth 
is renewed like the eagles. In Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall we draw water out of the wells of salvation. God is in control. Things are bleak in our world. There's no question about that. We don't live in denial. Christians don't. The left does. People who claim Christianity but don't really practice it. They don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. But people who know the Lord and walk with the Lord can draw strength from the well of knowledge that God loves you. He cares for you. And God is in control of everything all the time. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He is the Lord God Almighty. President Joe Biden is going to use his speech today at the United Nations to focus on the importance of working together with China. Kind of a buddy relationship. Yeah, that's going to be the, the essentially his speech today. There are also areas where we can work together with China and should work together with China, he says, and that includes on climate, climate crisis. It includes ensuring that we do end this pandemic together. Well, China started it, for goodness sakes. But he says we should work together in ending it. I doubt that they're going to work very closely with him about ending it. They won't even let observers into their Wuhan laboratories or others to investigate how this thing started in the first place. We just know that it came out of Wuhan. China even denies that, but I'm sure it'll be a beautiful relationship that he'll have. I, I just Every time this man speaks, I, I, <laughs> I used to think Jimmy Carter was probably one of the most ineffective, if not the most ineffective president we'd ever had, but I don't I don't believe that anymore. Every time this president speaks, he creates a new level of disbelief in just us ordinary folks out here. It's unbelievable. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, she says that President Biden will make it absolutely clear in his speech today, Tuesday, at the United Nations that he is not looking for a new Cold War with China or any country in the world. Well, maybe he needs to get Milley, Colonel Milley or General Milley up there to make that speech. He's already been telling China on the telephone behind President Trump's back. He's been telling them not to worry, that we're not going to attack them, and he'll let them know. He'll give them a heads up if Trump would order any kind of an attack on China and now Biden is just sort of underscoring that is it, it, it looks to me like kind of a, I don't know, kind of a, a policy of appeasement that didn't work out well in, um, in leading up to World War Two in Europe. And it's not going to work out well with China because they're laughing up their sleeve at the perceived weakness of America and the dysfunction of America. That's well-sourced from people that are living in that part of the world today. 
Speaking to reporters, Saki said that Biden did not believe in the Cold War approach. He believes in vigorous, intensive, principled competition that does not tip over into conflict. Noting that Biden believed, Saki says, in standing up for American interests around the world. Why does that ring so hollow? Because us little people out here, you and me, we know that he doesn't even know what he's talking about. He doesn't believe that for a minute. And we know it. I'll tell you. For centuries, until the so-called Age of Enlightenment, also known as the Age of Reason, the Western world accepted without question the historical accuracy of the account of the Garden of Eden, the Flood, the Tower of Babel, history of the patriarchs, the exodus from Egypt. But in about the 17th and 18th century, European intellectuals began to claim that only through human reason can true knowledge be obtained. Rather than the Bible, the Bible is a good story, but it's kind of a myth. And it got relegated over to like Homer's Odyssey or whatever. And human reason began to replace God in the world culture. Rather than the Bible, scientific reasoning became the source of authority, subjective truth, not absolute or fixed truth. To put it bluntly, man was scrambling to replace God as the ultimate judge of all truth. The Bible came under direct attack. Then in the 19th and early 20th century, the theory of evolution, the fable of creation without a creator, and higher Bible criticism, it began to gain traction. Many scholars, science, let's call it science, came to deny the existence of Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham and Joseph and Moses and David and Solomon and we know all these personalities. They said, yeah, they're nice stories, but they're not true. There's no evidence. There's no scientific evidence. The great men of the Bible prophesied accurately that highly educated men and women who scoff at God and his revealed word would someday dominate the culture. Paul spoke of that to the Romans. The Apostle Paul wrote, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient. That's Romans chapter 1, verses 21, 22, and 28. Although Paul was speaking specifically to his culture and his generation, he was speaking perhaps even more so to ours in words that God inspired and God has claimed to be his own words, the word of the Lord. I want to talk to you a little bit about science. Scott Gottlieb is the former commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. He told Face the Nation Sunday that COVID 
the six-foot social distancing rule, you know that rule where if somebody's coming up to you, you need to run away from them quickly? He told Face the Nation that he said that six-feet rule, he said, was never actually science at all. This is on Face the Nation Sunday. He said it was actually arbitrary in and of itself. I'm quoting him. And he said, quote, nobody knows where that actually came from. The so-called progressives have so co-opted science to advance an agenda, even the far-left Atlantic is suggesting maybe they put on the brakes. Maybe they've gone too far. Here's why Americans are losing confidence in science. And I want to talk to you about that today. And I also want to look at the solution. I don't have it, but I know someone who does. His name is the Lord God Almighty, of course. Gottlieb told the Face the Nation's Margaret Brennan the single reason why most schools remained shut last year was because the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, was telling them that they had to keep kids six feet apart. If, I'm quoting him verbatim, this, these are his words, if, if CDC had said you can only, um, you can have to keep kids three feet apart, that a lot of schools would have been open. The six feet was arbitrary in and of itself, he says. Nobody knows where it came from. This is the former director of CDC. The initial recommendation, he says, was that the CDC brought to the White House was 10 feet. And a political appointee at the White House said, man, we can't have that. It Politically, uh, that won't fly. We can't recommend 10 feet. The guy at the White House went on to say, he doesn't name him, but he's, well, it goes on to say, he said, nobody can measure 10 feet. It's inoperable. Society was shut down, so the compromise was, he said, about six feet. They talked it over. It was a political decision. And he said, yeah, it was a political decision. But he did say, told Face the Nation, he said, imagine if that detail had leaked out into the public at that time. Well, yeah, that would have been a problem. Then he said this. I'm quoting him. The CDC said 10 feet. It should be 10 feet. But 10 feet was no more right than 6 feet, and ultimately it became three feet. But when it became three feet, the basis for the CDC's decision to ultimately revise it from six to three was a study that they had conducted the prior fall. Somebody remembered a study from last year. Hey, somebody did a study. We gave them a grant. They did the study. They sent it back and they said that about six feet looks like about the right distance. So they went back, they researched for this and, and found this study. They drug it out of the, out of the drawer and um, they used it as the basis for making this decision, which had already been made as a political decision. In this study that had been funded through CDC, the study had said that the risk of transmission is reduced 70% with masks if you're three feet apart. That may be true. I, I'm not. I'm. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm just telling you what they said. So they said on that basis we can now make a judgment that three feet is the appropriate distance. That works for everybody politically. It works for the school. That's operational and so on. 
But he went on to say, he says, we made the judgment that three feet is an appropriate distance. But he said that begs the question, if they had the study result in the fall, why didn't they change the evidence in the fall? Why did they wait until spring? In other words, why did they wait until it became a political issue to go searching through the archives and find this study that somebody remembered had been made? Face the Nation put out a tweet following this. Former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb, MD, calls CDC's six-foot distancing recommendation arbitrary and a perfect example of the sort of lack of rigor around how CDC made recommendations. That's how politicized science has become. Have we gotten to a point where science has become a mere tool to advance a relativistic, evolving political agenda rather than a continuing discovery of truth, even God's truth? Have we removed ourselves so far from God that we don't want to know the truth We just want to use the idea of truth as a tool to advance a godless, secular agenda. I believe it has. Compassion has become a virtue-signaling word of the religious left to promote open borders and globalism. That's what Jim Wallace does. No matter how sincerely he seems sometimes when he speaks, I know Jim Wallace, I know Tony Campolo, I know those guys. They were always trying to get on my TV show. I know where they're coming from. I don't say this with any animosity, but I say it with deep conviction. They are misleading the church. Compassion has become a virtue-signaling word of the religious left to promote open borders and globalism because in the back, in the shadows, behind some of these organizations, guys like George Soros are giving money to them to use them to influence the religious community. Not directly, but indirectly with the money and directly with the influence. The LGBTQ rights are really about moral degradation and an expression of rebellion against nature and nature's creator, Almighty God. So science becomes another tool to advance an agenda that misleads the public and amasses power for the elite ruling class. I know that sounds almost... Well, negative. (laughs) I don't mean to be. But we've got to unveil the truth, God's truth. And we've got to recognize in our culture today and in our communities and in the church that Almighty God is the ultimate truth. He is truth. And His truth sets us free. Otherwise, we become in bondage. And that's where the left is taking us. Very quickly. So science has become a tool to advance an agenda that misleads the public and amasses power for the elite ruling class. That's what we're talking about. The far left Atlantic is, I don't read it regularly, but I, I pay attention to what they publish. I pay very close attention to what they publish because they're one of the kind of the banner carriers for the left. They're sophisticated, elitist, uh, widely read. Emma Green was writing for The Atlantic 
she begins her story, her article, it's, it's featured, was in this just the last few days. She said, progressive communities have been home to some of the fiercest battles over COVID-19 policies, and some liberal policymakers have left scientific evidence behind. But when I read that, I thought, wait a minute. Yeah, that's what they're doing, but why is she admitting it? For this subset, she said, diligence against COVID-19 remains an expression of political identity, even when that means overestimating the disease's risks. Well, the story, as I learned and was not surprised, is long and winding. I'm not recommending that anyone read it, but I wanted to you. It would be a waste of, of time for a conservative to read it. Honestly, you already know all that. But I'm making the point that the left is beginning to wake up and say, you know what? Maybe we're pushing this too fast, too far. Maybe we need to put on the brakes a little bit on this takeover of American minds with far-left ideology. The Atlantic is far-left. It's considered the elite voice of the left. It's widely read, as I said. And they're suggesting maybe they need to put on the brakes a little bit. Yeah, they kind of are. That's what they're saying to their readership. They're saying, let's put on the brakes before we begin to look uninformed and maybe worse than the picture, the reflection that we have been giving, the echo of how we have been defining the conservatives. <laughs> Interesting. True science isn't arbitrary. Abeka is one of the most widely used curricula in Christian schools and millions of homeschool families use it. And, uh, and other, there's others as well. It's not the only one, but it's, it's a good one. It's been around. Dr. Phyllis Rand, she's associated with Abeka. In promoting Abeka's materials, she makes some good points. And I'm not, I'm not advocating that you use Abeka, although I would if I were, if Marjorie and I were, had little, you know, had kids in school, we were homeschooling. And if we had kids, we would be. She and I have talked about that quite a bit. But Abeka is good. And Phyllis Rand is well-known and well-respected. In promoting some of their materials, she's made some points that I, I just want to share with you. And they should be considered in the context of our current arbitrary science era. Keep in mind what I've just said as I share some thoughts that she says in some of her materials that are it's promoting Abeka materials for homeschoolers. She said, instead of progressivism, we could use the terms experimentalism, instrumentalism, pragmatism. But progressivism is a good overall word because the term progressive sounds so positive and because traditional may sound passe or out of step because it's worth saying that Abeka does not reject innovation or improvement. American education traditions are Christian. Then she says this, progressive education is the development of those who rejected the Christian worldview and traditions of their fathers and transferred their faith to science, evolution, and psychology. In other words, she says they have moved from God as a source of truth, the source of truth, to be, to, because they couldn't control God, but they've moved it to science, evolution, and psychology because they can control the narrative. That's what she's saying. She said, it is secular. It is humanistic. 
It is more than an attempt to just bring more freedom and activity into the classroom. It's not an exaggeration to say that progressive education, under whatever name it goes by, is the greatest force in what Henry Morris calls the war against God. I agree. She knows that when John Dewey and others first promulgated the new progressive philosophy in the early 1900s, it sounded terrible to teachers in the classrooms. They thought children needed to be taught skills and information and trained in righteousness. That's how American education was first formed. But no, it changed. For our history, the first hundred and some, thirty-some College and universities that were started in America were founded by Christians. And then John Dewey came along and began to change everything. I've talked about that at some length on this program. I won't get into that today for the sake of time. And even though teachers generally didn't accept this, and educators, Dewey and his minions kept writing and speaking and influencing Today we see the flowering of their work. Social issues, fads, are the focus in the classroom, not fundamental education. Christianity has been removed from the education experience, which brings me to science and the Bible and Christianity. The left often labels Christians as not believing in science. How many times have you heard Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden, when you can understand him, or whomever, say, I'm following science? Of course. They're following science because they have remade science. And if you don't believe it, what I just shared with you, this exchange by the former director, he's calling it out, making it public. The CDC is not even making their decisions based on science. They're making it on the basis of a reformed science that they have revised so that it supports their position, their truth. That's the science that they're following. So Christians are not anti-science. We're not science deniers. Actually, the opposite is true. The more you believe in God and believe that in the beginning God created, the more you believe in true science. True science is the ongoing discovery of what already is, as God created it. And that applies to true medical science. As real science progresses, it continues to discover God's truth. In her book, Confronting Christianity, Rebecca McLaughlin, she makes the case that Christianity and science are not only compatible, but they're related. I agree. Albert Einstein kept pictures of three scientific heroes on the wall of his study, Isaac Newton, Michael Faraday, and James Clerk Maxwell. And all three of them claimed God as the source. And two of the three were evangelical Christians. Newton was not. He said he believed in Almighty God with all of his heart, but he had a problem accepting that Jesus Christ was indeed the Son of God. That makes him not evangelical and not saved. But he embraced God in the principles of the Bible. The other two, Faraday and Maxwell, are well-known Christians. They, their credentials are incredible. Those were the heroes of Einstein. He had them hanging on the wall. I'm not a scientist, and you know that, and I know you're not either, but there's two kinds of science. One that's a mere tool in the hand of the progressive, using it as a means to the end of advancing the secular progressive agenda. The other is the pure science 
who follows the evidence and wants to know the truth. I'm out of time today, but we'll continue our conversation tomorrow. Thank you for your support. We need it. We ran a couple of several thousand dollars behind in our budget last month. Thank you for your help. Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.